0: listening to keep the main thing the main thing podcast to learn more visit the pineschurch.com I'm so excited uh, to be able to continue on the message that we started last week. For those of you that are joining, um, we kicked off a series on faith, and today we're going to be wrapping that series up. Next month, we're going to be talking about forgiveness, uh, which is the central theme of the gospel, and so I encourage you to lean into that and also... um, to definitely, if you've been uh, attending for a little while and you want to know, you want to learn a little bit more about the church, kick the tires so to speak, move from the seats to the streets of actually doing the work of the Lord um, here in Central Maine. Then we encourage you to come to Growth Track, where we'll share the 30,000 foot view of what the Pines Church has been called to and how you can get plugged in um, to that work. And so, also want to encourage you on the way out. We have a like a guest central kind of area. Um, we have some information about a Bible college that is, uh, is in Charleston, Maine's Faith Bible College. We have a lot of the students that serve on the Pines Church team. And so if you've been thinking about maybe that stepping into that role of ministry and you don't quite know where to, to go, that is a great organization and it's a great place for you to be able to learn, um, about ministry. So we have a bunch of flyers and pamphlets, all kinds of information right out there, um, All right, well, I'm excited. I want to recap a little bit what we talked about last week. Uh, We did talk about faith in the words of the great and late uh, poet George Michael Uh, you got to have faith. I don't know if he knew that that was relevant to Christianity, but it is. You have to have faith. Without faith, It's impossible to please God. And so we're going to be talking about faith um, this week, calling those things not as they are, but as they could and should be. And so to kick that off as a recap, we're going to look at Hebrews 11.1. And the Bible says this. This is literally the Bible's definition of faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It does not say that faith was or faith will one day be. It says that faith is, and our faith is anchored in God. It is a present faith. It is a real faith. And the Bible also encourages us in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, that we walk by faith and not by sight. Last week, we talked about the proverb says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to destruction, right? So something can look right with our natural eyes. It can look good, but in the end, it actually leads to death. And you go back to the garden. Remember, Eve wasn't attracted to the evil side of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The Bible says when she saw that it was good, she tasted an ate. And so we cannot rely on our natural senses. We must walk and live by faith according to what is written in God's word because our eyes can be deceiving, amen? So we need to make sure that we know the word of God inside and out. And then we call those, we, we, we drifted into that there's so much more for us as believers to experience than what we are experiencing, that there will be tears at the judgment seat. And I believe those tears will come from when we finally are standing in front of our Lord and Savior, and we're going to actually see and realize there's so much more that we could have accomplished, just so much more that we could have experienced if we just would have stepped into faith and leaned not on our own understanding. And so, to kick this week off, I kind of want to talk about sometimes you can learn about what something is by looking at what it isn't. The opposite of something, right? And so the opposite of faith is, is doubt, but also is worry. And I think we live in a culture that worries quite a bit. Um, worry is actually a perversion of faith. If you think about it, it's faith in reverse. So faith is the substance of things hoped for. I'm believing for this. I'm, I'm hoping for this. Then, then worry is what you're dreading, right? And so you're taking the time to, th- to think about what you dread, right? And you're bringing it into existence. It's the opposite. It's the reverse of faith. I remember when I was growing up, There was this huge, uh, I don't know if it was a rumor, But there was this big concern, especially with my parents, that if you listen to like Led Zeppelin backwards, it was going to tell you to worship the devil or something. First of all, as a child, I had no idea even how to listen to an audio cassette backwards. But there was this major concern that if you listen to most heavy metal albums, it was going to tell you like to worship Satan, okay? But I want you to think about worry in that. It's the opposite of faith. It's how the enemy gets you to focus in on what he's trying to accomplish accomplish in your life. It's a counterfeit. It's a knockoff. It's fool's gold. You think under the banner of I'm a problem solver that you're going to fix the problem, but all you're really doing is obsessing. That's how the enemy gets you to bite it. You think, well, I'm a critical thinker. So I'll just take some time and I'll just examine this problem and I'm going to figure it out. And I don't really need sleep. And, you know, you stay up all night and then you find yourself thinking about it. When you get up in the morning, you find yourself thinking about it in the shower. You find yourself thinking about it. But what you're really doing, if you're honest, is just worrying about it. And Jesus himself said, which of you can add one hour to your life by worrying about something. And so I want you to look at worry as a perversion of faith. I honestly want you to look at worry the same way you look at pornography, which is you don't, right? Okay, that was a test. But seriously, you should try to push it on. Okay, everybody awake in here today? (laughs) Did pastor just say to look at pornography? Yeah. Don't look at it. Okay. But you should avoid it at all costs. Worry is the same thing. You should avoid it at all costs. It's a perversion of faith. Okay. And so we need to avoid it at all costs and worry is, is anchored in idolatry. And what is idolatry? It's anything you give your strength to and draw your strength from. So you are putting your strength in your own intellect that you'll be able to solve the problem, that you'll be able to come up with a solution by critical thinking, by overthinking, but all you're really doing is obsessing about the problem and you're making the problem bigger than God, okay? And so worry is very dangerous. It's a faith killer. You need to avoid it at all costs. I also want to address what faith isn't faith isn't the absence of responsibility. Unfortunately, in spending a lot of time in church, I've seen some people in some camps think, well, I'm going to kind of sit here until God moves. And there are more scriptures about faith in motion, faith in action than sitting back and just waiting on God. Often God is waiting on you while you're waiting on God. Okay. Faith moves and fear freezes. Think of it like that. By faith, Noah built the ark. By faith, Abraham had a son. And so there is action behind faith. Faith without works is, yeah, we're going to go back to that thing where I just kind of throw it to you guys and you can throw back the answer um, to me. Faith without works is dead. And so faith isn't the absence of responsibility. That's something my father used to ingrain in me as I was growing up. Because many people want to say, well, I'm believing for this, but then they don't want to do anything about it, right? And faith is partnering with God, okay? Um, let, me, let me just move along. So we have to exercise our faith. Faith is in motion. I want you to think about the faith of the men that took the paralytic man to Jesus, okay? We shared this story, I think, just a few weeks ago, but here's Jesus in this town, the friends, they had, a, they had a friend that was paralytic. He couldn't walk. And they hear about this guy that's going from town to town and he's healing people. And they say, look, we got to take our friend there. So they walk with their friend who is a paralytic and they carry him all the way. Who knows how many miles they had traveled, right? And they get to the city and all of a sudden they find out where Jesus is and he's in this house. But it's packed out. It's like a Metallica concert. There's so many people, and there's no way they're going to be able to get into it. And they could have said to themselves, look, we already walked like 15 miles with this guy who probably weighed like 150 pounds. We're tired. Let's go find a place to rest. We tried. We gave it our best effort, but they said, no, 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 no. We're going to get in there. And somehow they made their way through the Metallica concert, and they got to the house. But when you got to the house, there was no way, because it was jam-packed like a house party. There was no way that they were getting in there, and they could have at that point said, dude, there's no way we're going to get in here. Let's just turn around and leave. But they said, no, 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 no. We have to get our friends, our friend to Jesus. So they scaled the house. Okay. If you jump on somebody's roof here in Bangor, I'm pretty sure you run the risk of having the police called on you. Okay. And I have to believe the same is true. You couldn't just jump on some rando's roof without getting in trouble, without there being some kind of consequence to that decision. But those men said, it's worth it for us to get our friend to Jesus. Faith in action. And then when they get on top of that roof, hopefully they paid for homeboy's roof, okay? They tore it up and they lowered their friend in. And then Jesus makes the most amazing statement. The Bible says when he saw their faith, he said, he said, son, your sins are forgiven. And then he goes, the Pharisees are like, who is this that can forgive sins? And he goes, so they know that the son of man has the power to forgive sins, get up and walk. And the man got up and walked. But the Bible, I wanna, I wanna highlight that. He said he saw their faith. He saw their faith because their faith was in action. If that man had waited back at his house and just said, you know, I really hope that this happens. Kind of like with that worldly hope. Would he be Would have he experienced that miracle? And so we need to be a people that puts our faith in action. That it moves beyond lip service. That we honor God not just with our lips, but with our actions as well. See, something I learned about walking in faith with God. And we've all heard this. We've probably read it at Hobby Lobby on some plaque, okay? God is never late, right? God is never late. He's going to come through with the promise. But you know something I've learned about God in serving him for over 20 years? He's never early either. <laughs> Nobody really talks about that. But I, would, I really would appreciate it if God would be a little earlier. But he's not. Because he's God. And he knows that something's being built in the process of waiting. Something's being perfected that you can't microwave or fast forward to the end. Something is maturing inside of you. So God doesn't come through early. He comes through at the right time in the right moment. And often the right time in the right moment is when you're about to fail. Is when you feel like throwing in the towel is when you're about to grow weary in well-doing. God comes through, which is why Paul commands us, don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't faint right before the harvest. The fact that he tells you shows us that there is, as humans, a proclivity to quit right before you get to the promise. You know, and I think about chopping down a tree, not that I've ever done it, but I am in Maine. Maybe I'll do it someday. But when you chop down a tree, it's not the hardest blow that takes it down. It's often the weakest at the very end because you've been chopping and chopping and chopping and you feel like walking away, but you're like one more swing and the tree ends up coming down. And so God is never late, but he's never early. And think of it like this. We were were staying at a hotel we went on vacation to Virginia Beach, and uh, it was great. It was awesome. A lot of holiday traffic. But when you have five kids in a car, it's just like madness, okay? It's like absolute chaos. I was Jake's word was for me. If it wasn't for anybody else, I was receiving it. I was like, yes, I need peace in the midst of the storm. Um, but what, one of the things I noticed about a hotel, and you guys have all been to a hotel, is that there's a door, and it's shut, Right? And the door doesn't, even though I need to go into the hotel, it's not going to open until I get like right there and I'm about to hit it, right? Then the door opens. If I'm standing over here, the door is not going to open. Faith is often like that. I can see that there's a closed door. How am I supposed to get through? And by faith, I just continue to walk forward. And I know because I've been at a hotel before that right when it looks like I'm about to hit the wall, guess what? The doors are going to open. It doesn't open early and it doesn't open late. It opens right when it needs to open. Open and I'm sharing this analogy because there are some of you in this room that are looking with your natural eyes and it looks like the way is shut. And God is saying to you, if you just continue to put one foot in front of the other, although it may look like you're going to walk into a wall, you what you're going to find is a breakthrough. God is telling us to continue to move forward. Hebrews eleven six 6 out of the Passion Translation says it like this, and without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith, knowing that he is real and that he rewards the faith of those who give all their passion and strength into seeking him. It is impossible to please God without faith. And remember, we are sharing, you know, the Bible says in Psalm 139, 16, every moment of your life was recorded before a single day passed. There is a destiny. There is a calling. There is a dream that God has placed on the inside of each and every single one of you. And you are hardwired to excavate that purpose, that dream, and that vision. And nobody is more passionate about watching you move in that call, in that dream, in that destiny, than God. But that, that destiny, calling, and dream is at the end of your intellect, the end of your ability, and the end of your experience. Why? Because it's a trust walk. God wants you to move in faith so that you don't fall under pride and get puffed up thinking that you accomplished this because you are that great. You know that when you're weak, he is strong and that God gets the glory. Because the Bible says that God shares his, no, his glory with no man. And so he puts you in a position where you have to trust him. And everybody's line is different, right? It's like when you played uh, Mortal Kombat, which I know none of you play because you shouldn't play it. But it's like, you know, you have one is agility. You're, you're way up here. One is strength. You're way down here. Every single one of us has these different bars. But it doesn't matter where our abilities, our experience, in our intellect and we have to come to the end in order to be able to move forward in faith to be able to trust God because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And this is where I want to do a little flip mo on you. I want to change it up a little bit because we've been talking about faith in God. Because again, we can't have faith in faith. We can't even have faith in our calling. We, our faith must be tethered. It must be anchored to God. Okay. But I want to talk, I want to flip it a little bit and you for those you've been coming for a long time you've heard me talk about this how many have you ever taken the time to think about how much faith God has in you you know Gary Chapman wrote a book in the I think in the late 90s it's called the five love languages anybody ever read that book it's a great book yeah and it talks about there's five love languages um, I wrote them down so I wouldn't forget words of affirmation acts of service receiving gifts quality time and physical touch. I've run across some people that say, I have all five. I'm operating in all five. Um, But some people, uh, physical touch might not be that important to them. You know, gifts might be really important or quality time might be really important. But if God had a love language, I would say it's faith. Have you ever taken the time to think about how much faith God has in you that you will excavate that purpose, that calling, and that dream that God has placed on the inside of you? We know as Jake shared earlier today, that his heart is that none should perish, but all would have eternal life. And God chose in his infinite wisdom, you may not understand it, but that's okay, okay? God in his infinite wisdom chose to limit himself to move through people to advance the kingdom and the gospel to all of the earth. So God has faith in you, that you will excavate that calling and that dream and that you will lean not on your own understanding, but you will press into him by faith to receive instruction for your life. And I want to read this. But it isn't just how we show your love and trust for him, faith. Although God does take great pleasure in our faith because of what it does in us, okay? Rather, you're receiving his love by acknowledging his faith in which empowers your faith, in results in action. So God takes pleasure in watching you press in in faith. Think about it like this, okay? My son, Dominic, we'll just use him for an example, okay? I call those things in Dominic, not as they are, but as they could be. He can't see it on his own, but I have the luxury of having lived 40 years on this planet. So I know that the things that are, feel like insurmountable obstacles and adversity in his life, he will overcome. But he doesn't know that yet because he's only 11 years old. So I am sitting in a unique position as his parent because I can call those things in him, not as they are, but as they should and could be. And by doing that, speaking life over him, speaking courage over him, as God did with Joshua three times, what does that tell us? Encouragement is repetitive, right? God spoke, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. He probably kept comparing himself to Moses. And God knew this. And he's like, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Encouragement is repetitive. And as I speak these things over my son, all of a sudden, he starts to think, well, maybe this is possible. Maybe I actually can do something. To encourage literally means to inspire with courage. It's literally putting courage inside of someone. It goes back to our words carry life. And as I speak those things over my son, he begins to believe that, you know what? Maybe I can actually make a three-pointer. Maybe I can actually throw a perfect spiral, even though nothing is evident of that in his life currently, but he believes his father who's gone before him. And as a result, he starts to see himself in a different light. I think we could all learn something from Dominic in that regard. God is speaking these promises over you. You may look at yourself in the mirror and say, this is, there's no way. I'm a million dollars in debt. Hopefully you're not, but I'm, I'm just, I'm in debt. Okay. I, I, I'm way out of shape. You know, I haven't been to the gym forever. I have these bad eating habits. There's no way that I'm going to be able to get there. And God is saying, if you trust me, okay, because the, what I penned of your life is far greater than what you're experiencing and what you are seeing. In a similar way, God's faith in us empowers us beyond our limitations. Do you understand? This is why God has faith in you because he knows what you're capable of. He knows the destiny and the dreams that you steward and carry inside of your heart. And so he speaks life over you so that you will begin to see yourself in a different light. And what seems impossible is possible with God if you have faith. Keep in mind that faith, hope, and love, these are qualities that bridge eternity in our hearts with the temporal struggles of this world. So we face adversity, we face trials, we face opposition, and in the natural, we say there's no way, but because we have faith and hope inside of our hearts, it bridges into eternity and makes a path for us to overcome what we see in the natural. Hebrews 12:2 invites us To look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. God penned your life. God is more for you than anybody you're ever going to meet. He is going to see those promises and those dreams come to pass. I want to read Hebrews 12:2. This is out of the Passion Translation. I just love the way that this is written. Okay, this isn't a literal translation, but I, I just, I like the way this is written. I want you to study Hebrews 12 on your own, but I want to read this to you. In addition to being the perfecter of our faith, Jesus is also the evidence of God's faith in us, right? Because God sent Jesus. God sent Jesus before you ever took a step towards him. Before you ever did anything good, God drove his sword, the cross that reclaimed our world for Christ, deep into the ground, revealing his faith in our humanity. And the writer of Hebrews penned, We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus, who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. God sent Jesus so that he could be in relationship with you. And now we have a way. Jesus endured the shame, the humiliation for us. And that is why we die to ourselves. The baptism that 15 people had the opportunity to be able to step into after they surrendered their life to the Lordship of Jesus signifies, is symbolic of the old person passing away and the new person coming to life. We are dead to our old selves. We are free From the praise of man, the rejection of man, and any label or title that man could provide us with. Because we have been adopted into the royal family. We are now sons and daughters of God. And God has called us to rule and reign in this life. And in order to be able to do that, you got to be able to see beyond what your natural eyes can see. You have to walk by faith and not by sight. You have to feed on his word. And what happens is the word begins to take root, sinking from your mind where you're processing it down into your heart. And it becomes rhema, explodes on the inside of you. And all of a sudden, It changes the way that you see the world. It changes the way that you see God. It even changes the way that you see yourself. And then you begin to believe the promises of God's word. You receive them by faith and begin to move in those. And as you walk in obedience, not just obedience, willing and obedience. Remember the Bible says when they were willing and obedient, they ate the good of the land. You can be obedient and not willing, right? Right? Your mom could ask you to take out the trash and be like, uh, uh." you're not willing. You're obedient. You're doing what your mom's asking you to do, but you're not willing. But when we're willing and obedient, we eat the good of the land and our lives serve as a marker pointing people to Christ. The Bible says that we are ambassadors of God. And as we prosper in this world. People see that and they're drawn to that. And then we have the opportunity to be able to share our testimony and point people to God because what he did for one, he will do for another because he is no respecter of persons. And the Bible says that they overcame the enemy by the blood of the lamb, Jesus's blood and the word of their testimony. I want you to think about that. Jesus's blood and your testimony in the same sentence, as we give God the glory for excavating what he has placed on the inside of our hearts. I want to I close with this. Mother Teresa said this, faith in action is love and love in action is service. By transforming that faith into living acts of love, we put ourselves in contact with God himself, with Jesus, our Lord. I'm gonna ask you to stand. I'm gonna invite the worship team back up here. Every single one of us are on a different journey. And the Holy Spirit knows exactly what you need to hear in this moment. And so as you were listening, you were listening for the voice inside of the voice. And I believe that God highlighted something to you. You would be wise to write that down, to put it down in your phone and to go and to search that matter out for yourself. Because what I shared with you is communicated knowledge, but God wants to give you revelatory knowledge. He wants to make it personal. He wants you to know this isn't just somebody that's sharing information with you. This is what I am saying to you as your father, that I have faith that you're going to excavate everything that I placed on the inside of your heart. I need you to see yourself in a different light. There have been lies that have been spoken over you that you've carried for years. And now is the time to draw a line in the sand to uproot those lies and to plant the eternal word of God in your heart and to allow it to take root to change the way that you see the world, to change the way that you see yourself, to believe for the impossible, to believe that God still moves in signs, wonders, and miracles. I just want you to close your eyes and open up your hearts. And again, I'm believing that the Holy Spirit brought something unique, something that you needed to hear today. He might've exposed an idol. He might've showed you a barrier or an obstacle. He might've showed you a discipline that he's encouraging you to step into. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. If the Holy Spirit shows you something, it's not for the purpose of shame or condemnation. Conviction just simply points you back to God and says there's more. And because he loves you, he wants to show you that more. In the most beautiful words in all of scripture, I will never leave nor forsake you. You're not alone on this journey He's not going to leave you with a piece of Ikea furniture and say, go figure it out. He's right there alongside you every step of the way. And he's patient and he's kind and he's loving. And you'll make mistakes. You'll fall. You'll stumble. But you'll get back up again. Wiser stronger and pretty soon before you know it just as a child begins to learn to walk and he falls and he gets back up you'll be running and the purpose of your running and walking in the fulfillment of your calling isn't for you but it's for others it's for family members and co-workers And neighbors as they see the favor of God manifested on your life they begin to believe for themselves and Christ receives the glory for every breakthrough and every triumph it's time as a church we begin to believe God for more we begin to pray scary prayers that aren't dependent on our finances that aren't dependent on our abilities, but are way out there. The only way that this is going to come to fruition is if God shows up. And that's what I'm anchoring my faith to today. And that's what I'm believing for today. I wanna pray this over you. Dear Heavenly Father, you see the tenderness in people's hearts today. You wrote in your word that if we had faith as small as a mustard seed, we could say to this mountain, be cast into the sea and it would move. So Father, I am praying for faith to be unlocked and accelerated in people's lives today. That people would dare to lean into the journey of excavating the purpose that you've placed on the inside of them that, Father, they would see themselves the way that you see them. That they would have a greater revelation. That you paid the greatest ransom in the universe to be in relationship with them. That's how much you love and believe in them. And Father, just as you spoke to Joshua, I speak over every single person in this room. Be strong and courageous. Dare to believe me for more. Dare to trust me with your finances. Dare to trust me with your gifts. Dare to trust me with your relationships. Dare to trust me with your careers. Dare to trust me with your marriage. And watch and see what I do. Lord, I pray for hope to arise in every single person's heart under the sound of my voice. God, we give you all the praise and all the glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. I love every single one of you. Have a great, safe, and happy 4th of July. And until next time, Godspeed. Thank you so much for listening to Keep the Main Thing, the Main Thing, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com.